0: Alright, I think we'll get started. Last week, I feel like it's already like, it feels almost like it's like the end of school is happening. This is like the end of like our Wednesday classes and then it's going to be summer break. Um, I don't know, it does, the weather's changing, it seems exciting. So um, let me pray while we start and we'll jump into um, some scripture. But <clears throat> dear God, thank you so much for uh, this time that we can all come together and um, yeah, as we've been able to really pray um, for all of our neighbors, for the hundreds of people that live around us. And uh, God, we just pray that we can, yeah, end well, that we can, um, yeah, grow closer together um, as a body of body of Christ, but grow closer to you too, Jesus, and that we can um, be used by you to be ambassadors, to bring people into your kingdom. In name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to look at Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. I want to, like, move this down and sit with you, but we'll just do it like this. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 4. Yep. Verses 11 through 13. Does anyone want to read it for us? Nice and loud. Thanks, Dave. Good. Eleven to fourteen say? Thirteen. Let's go with just the thirteen. Yep, great. So my version says in 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, ministry or service, <clears throat> for building up the body of Christ. So um, we think about, gosh, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, um, all these things we think of like these are the people who do ministry for the church, right? But here it says, there to equip who? The body of Christ for the works of ministry. And I think even for me, for building up the body of Christ, I think even to that's like such a, a key thing for me is, as I've um, yeah walked with Jesus more and more that I've realized that the pastor only has so much influence in a community, and he does so much to shepherd his flock, so to speak. But really, his, his touch, his reach in the community is so much more limited than ours because we work outside the four walls of the church And we do so much um, in the community. We have so many neighbors, friends, workmates, and, you know, all kinds of family that we have such a wider reach. And so if we leave it all on like Pastor Craig or Pastor Mike's shoulders, he can only reach so many people. He can only do so much. But if we're all, but if if his job is to equip the the body of Christ and that we're all equipped for this ministry, um, our reach is going to be so much far greater. And I really think that it's like the, the church should really be a place where we're equipped so we can be sent out to be used by him. And you think too, it's like the works of ministry. When you guys think of ministry, what do you think of? Time to change chairs. Time to change chair. <laughs> When you think of ministry, what do you guys think of? Service. Service. Reaching out. Reaching out. It's great. You guys are awesome. Yeah, I think sometimes we think of like ministry and we think of like the pastor teaching, preaching, you know, something like some, those like official roles of ministry. But I think you guys are right that there is like so much more. You think about Jesus going out and doing ministry, right? He did teach and preach, but he also had so many one-on-one conversations. He discipled his, his 12. He had, you know, he touched the sick. He, he mentored. He shared the gospel. You know, he did so much interpersonally. And I think that's a call for us as well to do. That is my devotional time. <laughs> Let's all give a round of applause for Kim. <laughs> she comes up. <laughs>
1: We're gonna have to significantly lower this <laughs> for me. I even have heels on. How do we do this? I don't want to break anything. Okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me? No. Okay. <laughs> So um, what we wanted to talk a little bit more about tonight is about kind of expanding our scope. So we've spent some time kind of looking at our neighbors, you know, within our physical realm, vicinity, right? But we want to kind of think about the, that the lessons that we've learned over the course of the last four weeks aren't meant to just be for just those people that we see, you know, on our street. So, can we? I just want to kind of review a little bit. Can you guys tell me what we have learned over the last four weeks? Nothing, apparently. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: Who our neighbors?
1: Who your neighbors are? Finding out about what, something about them. Something about them. Hmm. Great. Be uh, intentional. Right. Don't approach him with an agenda. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. As a as a relationship, not a project. Yeah. Hmm. What about fear? What did we learn about fear or not having fear? A little card. Hmm. Using scripture, right, to help us overcome fears, right? Using scripture to help us be bold, right? Um. What about making plans? right? Like there is there is time to wing it, right? And there's also time for a plan, right? And also knowing when to do both. I feel like that's also somewhat of a nuanced thing that we are working towards. You know, some of us can be good at it. Some of us, of us may not feel real comfortable, but you're going to work towards that, right? Um, what about sharing parts of ourselves? right? We're when we reach out to people we're asking them to share parts of themselves we also have to be vulnerable and share parts of ourselves back or else you don't have a give and take in a relationship right you don't have a relationship if you're not willing to be vulnerable with them and share like i you know I'm really glad that you told me about that I had a similar situation this is how I handled it right so now you have points of contact where you are sharing yourself as well um, we talked about getting creative right but also keeping it simple right so there's places for both of those because sometimes it makes sense to be creative and kind of go outside the box because you're going to have a greater impact and sometimes it just makes sense to just go over and bring them you know dinner that's going to have as much of an impact if not more because you saw a need right and most of that is what being neighborly is about right is getting to know people enough that you will be able to see their needs, to not just the surface needs, and, but to their spiritual needs, right? Because that's what we're going after, right? So, but it starts with physical needs or immediate needs. That helps us kind of, you know, get that, I don't want to say foot in the door, but <laughs> that's kind of what I'm saying, like it opens that door. But when we want to talk about expanding our scope, we want to also be aware and look for these people that come across our, our path every day. Right, Um, so part of that is like so. There's a reason why God used the Good Samaritan story, right, as the example of what a neighbor is. They didn't know each other at all, did they? The Samaritan was just walking down the 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 road. I almost said street. (laughs) (laughs) He was just walking down the road, and came across a gentleman that was in need, where other people had totally walked by. But that's the example that God says, that's our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that, that all, the, all of the lessons that we have learned here, we want to use in our everyday life as we see everybody that we come in contact with, right? So um, I like to use the example of, of work. When I go to work, I always want to make sure that I know the janitor's name. They're actually the most important person <laughs> at your job, right? And they're often the most overlooked. But those are the people when um, we've gone through like three janitors for some reason um, at my job. I, we moved down to uh, the homestead office, and within the year that I've been there, we've gone through three janitors. That was the person I would say, oh, you're new. What's your name? My name's so-and-so, you know, and get to know them. And then every time you see them saying hi make sure, do you need anything? Because those people, you never know when they're going to decide to open up to you. My front office people, same, same thing, the first person that you walk into at the front desk, they're often, um, maybe not the, you know, you see them every day and you just kind of go, hey, how you doing? And you don't make that effort, you have to make effort. Those are your neighbors. So just like we have like a grid for uh, your neighborhood, think about your workplace or where you volunteer, or any of the places that you find yourself on a regular basis, I want you to think about that the same way. Do I have a grid of people that I need to get to know? Do I have cubicles where I work that I need to get to know, right? And we're just going to use that same approach. I'm going to, you know, see who I know, see who I need to know, right? Whose name don't I know? Go pick two. See if you can just be like, hey, I've been working over here and just realized I've never introduced myself. All right? So those are real simple steps to to kind of include that. What about people when you walk down the street? Okay, those are also our neighbors, right? I don't know how people feel about giving money to the homeless, (laughs) but I love to give money to the homeless, and I love to find out their name. And I tell them very specifically, I'm going to pray for you I tell them my my name. They are unseen people, right? They are often overlooked or they're often like, well, I'm not going to give you money because you might use it for drugs. Why we always assume that, I have no idea. <laughs> but in my, in my, um, the, the, just the other day, I was driving actually on, um, what was it, 376. And on the one bridge, there's always uh, people asking for money. And there was this one girl there that just looked so... It it broke my heart. And so I gave her money. And I know when I told somebody else about that, they were like, why did you do that? And I said, because. And their their, um, their thought process was, well, she's going to go get drugs. And I said, yeah, but if she gets money now so she doesn't have to maybe prostitute herself in order to get the drugs, that money was worth it. She was seen by Jesus he just happened to use me to do that. So those people, those are also people that are brought into your life that maybe are only there for a 2-minute stint. But those 2 minutes could change their life. They could see Jesus in a way that they've never seen Jesus. You you would have that opportunity to say I'm going to pray for you and then continue to pray for them, right? So I want you to kind of just always think as you're going through your life, let me see people the way Jesus sees people. Let me use this opportunity, even if it's 10 minutes or a half hour or whatever, to impact that person for Jesus. The other thing that's great about the Samaritan is he gave generously, right? He didn't just say, here's a five. (laughs) Do whatever that five will, you know, if that'll give him a Band-Aid, great. But other than that, like, we're going to stop. He gave generously. Not everybody can give generously. Give as generously as you can, is what I would say. Okay, so when you see something, if you say, well, I have a 10, or I have a 20, give that 20, (laughs) or whatever it is. Give more of a a dinner than you originally thought, if you can. Generosity speaks volumes to people. I, I have seen it so many times. It speaks volumes, and it speaks a love language that words sometimes don't have. Um, so the only other thing I wanted to do was also think about your community okay because your community is also somewhat of your neighbor right you're going to have a chance to affect your community so some ways that you can affect your community and show God's love elementary schools always have book fairs Santa shops there are always kids there that do not have money to buy a book do not have money to buy their families anything. Set up, donate money to the PTA. And they can do a voucher system where, you know, like I gave $100, you get 10 10 vouchers, and the the teachers will be able to pick those kids. They know which kids are not going to be able to come and get a book. They know which kids are not going to be able to come and, you know, shop at the Santa shop. And you say, they just get this like little $10 coupon, and that way they get a book. And they know you have an impact there right? Um, At the end of the year, we live in a very um, low income school district. So seniors cannot graduate if their fees are not paid. So my husband is a great one for this. He calls up the school and he says, give me the, you know, the whole, whoever owes money for for lunches or whatever, breakfast or any other fees, tell me what those are. We're going to pay it off. They don't know who it is. It doesn't matter. We're not, you know, but that will impact the community. It impacts that person. Teacher appreciation. I'm in the school, so a lot of it's schools. I, I apologize. <laughs> but um, I think that's a good example of that's where I'm at. So that's where I seek to have impact, right? So that's also where you guys, wherever you're at, seek to have impact in, in that realm, okay? And now I'm all done. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Let's have a round of applause for
0: Dan. So. <laughs> I'm going to try this. I'm only talking at you, but I want you guys to talk at me too. So, um, I was thinking about. I was talking with Bob today about where do people socialize? Mm-hmm. Where, like, you can think about like sometimes? Sometimes we have a lot of like. I feel like sometimes the more we get involved with church, we can kind of insulate ourselves with Christians. In like, where do we go to interact with non-Christians? Um, where are some places that you've been able to interact? Um, or I guess even two, where do I guess i gonna back up. Where do people socialize these days? Online, unfortunately, I hate that answer. But yeah, no. sure. <laughs> For good or ill, yeah. social media. Yep, that's One. Coffee shops. Yes, people do socialize in coffee shops a lot. It's true. It's good. Sports practices. Sports, pra- sports practices. Yeah, That's like very specific. You're your kids moms. Oh, yeah, moms waiting. I've totally done that. Yeah. Dance. No. Yeah, dance. dance. So, yeah. Choir practice. Choir practice. Uh huh. It's good. Yeah, Bob lived out, before he moved here, he lived in Washington, and he would go to C- cideries. Places that make cider, um, and those are big like social. A in Pittsburgh. There's a couple cideries. Yeah, Thrive Bear or whatever
3: that is up there. Um,
1: what is it? Penn Brewery up near
0: mm-hmm. the cider house. Yeah, that's good. Or like breweries. I think like dog parks, are. I bet, are probably one of the more social places because people love to talk about their dogs, right? <laughs> that's it. Probably. It's probably – if you need to have like practice having conversations with people and things like that, I bet a dog park is – borrow someone's dog as long as it's like not a mean dog and just you don't even have to have one right, right. Caitlin's got a couple yeah. <laughs> yeah. but anyway I think it's, it's good to like think about like okay how do I continue to like so you know um think about who our neighbors are and, and reaching out and expanding our scope of who our neighbors are I also want to go through our the outline I gave to you guys via paper form and kind of talk through about um, give you lots of tools in your pocket or questions in your pocket to have ready so that you can have um, intentional conversations with people and help explore where people who are at spiritually. So um, that first little part there is sound barriers to sharing your faith that you, you guys will feel it as you want to move deeper in conversation. There will be a little pull in your gut that I'm going to take a step of faith and move past to do, you know, like for sometimes... It's being someone on the street, sometimes it takes a little bit to step out and say hi to someone on the street and to initiate a conversation. Um, sometimes I'm on, on if I'm on campus and I'm like wanting to share with someone, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, could you help me out real fast?" But it takes me a little. I gotta I gotta have a little bit of initial strength to move past that one. So that's the first sound barrier of initiating conversation. So just walking across the street and saying hi to the neighbor who's mowing the yard, that will take. You'll feel that. Um, the, the second one is then when you're having a conversation to move it from just a conversation about the weather, or sports, to like more personal, even to like a spiritual conversation. And then you'll feel that again, moving from a spiritual to a gospel conversation. You'll really feel it when you're in a gospel conversation and you, ask, and you bring them to a point of decision. Oftentimes we can share about what the gospel is, but then we're like, do you think this could be true for you? That also will be, I've had people kind of lay up on that one and not bring people to a point of decision, which I feel like everyone deserves that that point of decision. And then after that, there's another one of like either continuing the conversation, if they're interested in continuing talking about what what maybe their barriers are to the gospel or getting more information about who Jesus is. or even, if they accept Christ, mentoring them. You know, like, hey, can we meet up? Like, Making this decision is a huge decision for your life. You just started a great adventure of following Jesus. Can we meet up and give you a little, you know, a Bible and how you can walk with Jesus and some of these follow-ups. And so as you continue to move down the line, just know that there will be steps of faith that you'll take kind of repeatedly in that. Does it make sense? Okay. Um, with that, too, that fear, I feel like a lot of times, and even, too, sometimes we, we can be really sensitive of, like, we don't want people to feel like they're a project. We want to be personal. At the same time, I desperately want people to know Jesus, and I'm going to be intentional with that as well. And there's a balance there. And so there's a little... What's really helped me is this quote from Keith Davy says, Exploring with genuine interest and concern doesn't threaten relationships. It deepens them. And I whole... Heartedly agree with that. If I truly move towards someone with genuine concern and interest, they they pick that up, right? I'm, I'm, I truly want to know where you're at, where you're coming from, and if I can have the opportunity to share Jesus, they'll 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 pick that up. Where I've been on, I've been like go like on the beaches of like Panama City Beach during a spring break. You know, people, students are just partying, going crazy. Where and then like I intentionally do like a spiritual. Survey, transition to the gospel, share it. But it's, it's kind of like, I'm interestingly curious. You know, I'm like asking questions. I'm making a conversation the whole way. And we, I remember one time we finished up the conversation and the person's like, uh, man, I really hate when people like do evangelism or share, you know, like and try to force their beliefs on you. And I'm like, I just did that. But it was because I did it in a conversational way and, con- and, and with concern and genuine interest. She didn't even like. She didn't think what what I was doing was that at all. Almost it was like two separate things. And so I really think like if we really have that heart posture, it changes everything. And two, I really want to like press in about having you guys having even think about the Ephesians four and the the body of Christ doing the works of ministry. That really with that being personal evangelism. I feel like a lot of times we can just invite people to church or we can ask to pray for them. Both are great things. Great things. But I, I think having personal conversations about where they are with Jesus and sharing is gets you so much farther down the road. Because you can invite people to church, but if they don't come, they're not going to hear. And sometimes not always the gospel super clear or they might drift, you know, like... I brought people to like services before evangelistic services, and the preacher's going, and it's like this is so good, it's so the clear, gospel's so clear, and then my boy's falling asleep. You know where it's like okay, that's this is great, but if I have a conversation with them and we're eye to eye, he's we're going to be engaged, right, in that conversation. Um, same thing with prayer. I can people might be appreciative that I'm praying for them, but if I'm just, um, but if they have all these barriers in their mind intellectually that they don't. They doubt God, and they doubt that He's real, or the Bible is reliable, or things like that. I'm not handling those objections. I'm not helping them move forward necessarily, unless I'm adding it into the prayers and stuff as well. So church, I mean, so church invites are great, especially if you take them and then afterwards, hey, I would love to grab coffee and hear what you thought about church. Did it make sense? Was there questions? What was weird? What was not? Um, or even to following up with prayer. And then making those prayer requests, because oftentimes prayer requests, we'll talk about this in a second too, um, surfaces felt like unmet needs. And so then we can follow up like, hey, I've been praying for your job. How's that going? And then we can, hopefully that will help us continue the conversation to go deeper in that. Make sense? Questions? Okay, awesome. Keys to exploring. So there's two things. Um, one is questions, asking good questions, question, question, questions. Even, like, how are you? And people, like, saying, okay. It's like, well, there's a little bit more there, you know, if it's not, if it's not good. Um, and you're looking for, there's four things there. Common ground. So, for instance, um, if you, does anyone come from a Catholic background? Chunk of you, yeah. You're probably bump into friends who also come from Catholic backgrounds. And you like, you can be like, me too. I grew up in a Catholic background as well. But they're like, well, are you not anymore? And it's like, actually, that's a really good story. <laughs> you know, like, and, you, and there, that's a layup for your testimony, right? That you're no longer Catholic, but you, that you go to church still. And what did God do in your life to change? Like, that right there is a perfect, you know, so that's common ground. Looking for common ground will often leave doors to, to walk through to share the gospel. Windows of the soul is another one of, of people kind of opening up and letting you in more and more. I was talking to someone during an ultimate frisbee game, another dad, and he opened up about um, experiencing a really traumatic divorce when he was younger. His, you will need details, um, but just it being really hard. But he opened up, and I was like, "Oh, that, you know." And how, as a Christian, how do I respond? Well, divorce is a sin. You're going to hell. No, like, of course not, right? Like, it's, it's like, oh, that was really hard. You know, and I was able to ask more questions about kind of what that was, and he's remarried now, and so it's like, how, did you, how were you able to trust again, and what did that look like? But then we started talking about real heart-level things, which really opened up about that. So looking for windows of the soul is great. Traces of the Spirit. Um, I, was, I was talking to that same, same dude, and uh, he had not been a part of church for probably the last decade. And I was like man, I was like, do you, do you miss it at all, or do you not miss, or, is it, or is it totally fine? He's like, you know, sometimes I do miss it. Sometimes. Sometimes I do miss it. But it did, but it's like, oh, okay, he's opening up. Like I see traces of the Spirit that he still has a desire in his heart for more than just this life. So those, those are great opportunities when you see traces of the Spirit. Sometimes you'll see people like, man, I've had people like, man, I've always wondered what Christians believe, but I really never had anyone tell me, can you? can you tell me? And it's like, well, that's just, God's throwing you a softball because it's like, you know, God's working that person's life so, so much. It's crazy. And then unmet needs, um, which I talked about earlier. But even, I was listening to the radio on the way to work today, and um, the most, you know, they talk about chat, GBT, or artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. People ask questions and stuff. Have you guys ever done that, ask AI questions before? It's, it's kind of it's eerie, but it's interesting. Um, but the most asked question, what do you think one of the most asked questions is? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Yeah. I asked, I asked him that, the AI. He said, there's many views on that. <laughs> <laughs> I meal plan the other day. <laughs> meal plan? It gave me like a list of
3: everything <laughs> with ingredients,
0: how to cook it, and it was like, okay. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. yeah. One of the most asked questions is, what is the purpose to life? And I think even, too, if we can have good intentional conversations and stuff, I feel like people are hungry for purpose, especially in our Western society, with so many people on social media. I think without Christianity, without a belief system, man, what is your purpose? And it's, it's a huge thing. So looking for unmet needs. Okay, conversation starter examples. These are just examples. There's a million out there, but these um, are some of these are tried and true. Um, I'll often ask, like if it was during a holiday or like what'd you do over the weekend, and they'll often share what they did over the weekend. Played some golf, did this, did that. What I do? What did I do? I went to church. Pastor's been talking through or preaching through Acts. Have you ever? By the way, have you ever been to church before? Has that ever been? like something a part of your life, and then boom, I entered the door of moving into a spiritual conversation to ask him more questions or her about where, where he's coming coming from, or, you know, like, hey, how was Easter? Do you, oh, it was good, saw family, or like, do yeah, you, guys, you guys celebrate Easter? Like where, you know, and then again, boom, I'm into spirit, the, you know, from a conversation into spiritual conversation, and I went a level deeper. Tell me about your family. Um, oftentimes, family describing relationships will easily transition into spiritual topics, um, or gives you opportunities to talk about spiritual topics if you have a pretty um, vibrant Christian family. Um, talking to a guy, and he mentioned he grew up in Utah, and I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "I've been i, went, I went through Utah once, and I stayed at a hotel right across the street from that ah, like that Mormon temple church. What is it? The, it's the main one." He's like, "Oh, it's the main temple." By chance, did you grow up Mormon or not? He did grow up Mormon, and it was it was so fascinating. Where, he, but he left it at age eighteen um, for several different reasons, um, and then had and I was like, well, then what did you like? What, what did your spiritual journey look like after that? Did you like stop or did you do? And so he he tried. Um, a non- non-denominational church for a while, and then he got married to a woman who was Catholic and tried the Catholic church for a while, and then got divorced, and then there was nothing. So, but it was interesting to kind of, like, track his spiritual journey and kind of how those all experiences were, and it was amazing how he just opened up and wanted to share about, like, what was good about this, what was bad about that, and where he was. So, tell me about your family. Asking about hobbies. um yeah. For me, like I love reading, I love reading Christian books, so I can throw that out, or even to um, giving favorite TV shows. I was getting my haircut once, and this lady I was asking her what if she like watches anything good on Netflix and stuff because I had a hard time finding anything good, and she had watched the entire catalog, I think because she was telling me about everything I did I barely had a chance to get in edgewise, you know. And then I was like, but I was like, you know what I have? And then she finally turned it on me. And she's like, have you seen anything good on Netflix? So I'm like, well, I haven't seen anything you guys, you, you've seen. But I was like, I have watched The Chosen. Have you ever heard of The Chosen? She's like, no. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I was like, there has not been an episode where I haven't cried. And she like stopped. And was like, what? Which, I don't know confessions that it gets me every time every episode I like yeah I'll gird myself up but uh it gets me so anyway again then I was able to start into like you know it's describing what the chosen was about and challenging her to or encouraging her to to watch it so conversation starters and then as you get into spiritual conversations you can I think it's good to help like think through like spiritual mapping of past present and future So where was this person spiritually, where are they now, and where are they they headed to kind of discern their spiritual interest? And so I have a slew of uh, questions there. You can look through some of those. The first ones are the past ones. Um, I often will ask, um, what was your religious background as a child? Was that a good experience? Was that a bad experience? And I think here it's really important when we, we gotta ask lots of questions and we need to be one, not afraid to be offended. If they had a horrible experience in Christianity, I want to hear about it. I want to hear all the ugly details. I want to get it all all on the table. That we shouldn't be afraid to be to to hear the good, bad, and the ugly, because there's some maybe some things we can like apologize on behalf of the church, or like that's not right, or we can clarify things, or we can speak truth into it. But we got to get it all on the table, because there's a lot of people people hold on to. But if we can draw that out, we can deal with it. And oftentimes. Yeah, even there's, like, really hard, like, for them, intellectual barriers, or, like, you know, they might put out intellectual barriers, but oftentimes I've done a lot of evangelism with, like, uh, college students and even, like, you know, Northwestern, Carnegie Mellon, pretty prestigious schools, and it's amazing how unintellectual their reasons are Mm -hmm. for dismissing Christianity. You, I mean, there's there, there's a couple of guys out there who you know who they they read their Bart Ehrmans and their Dawkins and they footnote and underline, but they're few and far between, really. And even then, it's like bringing it back to the main things. They're, they're really oftentimes it's out of moral reasons, or just I'd rather be I'm 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 God basically. I mean, they would never say that, but I want to be boss. So I think we just need to get those out. And then and it's been Oftentimes, I've been like a little hesitant to ask them those questions to draw them out of like what, what they've had, but then I've been like, "Oh, that's that's your objection? Oh, okay. Like that's it, it can be not quite as intimidating once you get into it." Were you ever involved in a church or community of faith? Um, what led you to change your beliefs if they've been one thing and different? Um, what have you tried in your spiritual journey? And then exploring present attitudes, like where are you now? How do you feel about that? Do you desire more? Do you have a spiritual belief of any kind? Uh, do you have any belief in God? The life after? Who do you think Jesus is? What led you to believe that? Even to kind of gauge interests, like on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your desire to know God? I mean, you can say that a little bit more naturally. It's like, do you have like a, you know, Look in the future. Do you have a desire to know God at all, or or not? Would you, you know, if it's someone younger, like when you have a family, do you desire to raise your kids in the church, or do you like really not want to do that at all? You want to like, and what would you do? What would you, you know, even kind of asking some of those questions, and then future direction. Do you think you're moving towards God, away away from God, or staying about the same? Which is always a fascinating question. What direction do you want to move? are you satisfied with where you're at spiritually? And sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll talk to some people and they're not satisfied with where they are spiritually and other people are. And so that's, sometimes those are, those are dead-end conversations or they're like, I, I can't move the ball forward right now and I have to wait for the spirit to move, for situa- circumstances to change in this person's life. Um, but even, too, asking other questions of, like, what kind of purpose questions or, like, what happens after death. If you're one of the ones I always come back to, especially if they've had some kind of Christian background, I'll often ask, like, "Okay, from your experience of whether it was a Catholic church, church, or anything Catholic school, like, what do you think the main message of Christianity is?" And try to get them see if they can tell me any increments of the gospel, and then hopefully I can fill in the gaps. Or if you were to die tonight, I know it's a it's a kind of a tough question, but if you were to die tonight, what do you think your percentage chance of going to heaven is? I think it's 15 20 80 100% and why. And that's a super clarifying question. I've asked that one probably way too much, but it's always it's always so helpful to know like where where they think they're at and why. So, does that make sense? Good. Okay. Or another one, if you if uh, God asked you why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? Also clarifying. What's the answer to that, by the way? What would you say? Jesus died for you. It's good. It's good. Uh, another, our family of class, there was a book, and he said, if you were wrong about what you believe, would you want to know? Even kind of too, like that teachability. Mm-hmm. So, in with that, and I think as we start to transition to the gospel, it's like, okay, like, um, if someone says, like, well, just, you know, go to church, be a good person. I, you know, I haven't murdered anybody, so I'm pretty good, right? It's like, well, actually, like, as I've, like, read the Bible more, I think the message of Christianity is a lot different than that, honestly. You see, you might have to, have to, like, politely disagree. Can I just share with you what I think the Bible really says is the main message and get your thoughts. Again, asking permission to go there. I want to like, I want to put this out there and I want to see what you think about it. Cause I think this is the most important thing to talk about. So can we talk about that? And and maybe there's a magic word sometime like, Hey, we don't have to have this conversation now, but like sometime what I would love to share with you, I think the main message is because I think if it's true, it's the most important thing to talk about. Like this is, this is why we're here on this planet. If it's not, then, then I'm wasting your time. But I feel like we need to have at least put the evidence on the table and I would love for you to tell me what you think about it. Make sense? Um, okay. The intentions in the gospel. So I grew up using a lot of tools to share the gospel. I'm going to share one with you. But, and I think too, Jesus died for my sins is great. We need to make it, I feel like more and more, the culture is becoming more biblically illiterate. And so we're saying words, Christian words, and they don't know the definitions of these words or what we're saying. So we really have to make it and put it in their words. So what are some main points of the gospel if you were to share with someone? So, hey, I just stumbled into this church. I'm really interested to hear what this Jesus is all about, Christianity. Like, can you guys tell me what the main message is? I just want to know what Christians are all about. What would you tell me? Love? Love? died. died Died for me. Why would he need to die for me? Since, that's i've never heard that word before what's a sin is that murder i haven't murdered anybody rape yeah, you I'm could not for a while. <laughs> what's that you could for a while. yeah so am good yeah you're good good okay <laughs> so what, how would you guys define sin what's sin sin is what separates us from god so what separates us from god were you saying Wrongdoings, yeah. Okay, that's good. Have you ever felt guilty about something? Huh, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, have you ever felt guilty about something? What'd you do? I mean, if you will not mind sharing. I'll tell you if you tell me. That's a good one. Even using their own morality against them. What's, what do you think is right and wrong? Have you ever gone against that? You think stealing's wrong? Have you stolen? Huh. Have you lied? If you lied, what's that make you? A liar. Right? I mean, that's, that's a little bit, it's going, I mean, you have to have a good, decent relationship with someone. Yeah, I wouldn't do that right on the street necessarily, but you, yeah. you know, but like you could, you could play, you know, if you're, if you're jo- jovial with them, you can go that. Or, you know, I've heard like the bad things we do, I think is great. Um, oh, like our kids, when we went th- uh, through like a WANA program or something, they always talked about it's the bad things that you think, say, and do. I think is really helpful. Or like Jesus' great commandment, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I Sometimes I unpack that, and it's like, well, have I loved God with my entire being? Crap. <laughs> have I loved my neighbor as much as I love myself? I'm, I'm O for 2. 0 for 2. And so even, like, but, but if we don't hit that, like, really bring out that we're falling in in need, they're, gonna, they're not going to see a need for the gospel. So I think that's real important to really, like, not, not you know, to really and put ourselves in that same camp, that we are desperately in need of what Jesus has to offer because we, we, we fall short in so many ways. Make sense? Any other comments? We're good? And then, so, so we talk about sin, and then, okay, why did Jesus have to die? That's probably another great question to ask. You know, you've heard that Jesus died on the cross, Right? Why did he have to die? Why was a death necessary? What would you guys say?
2: He wanted to open a path to his Father. That's why Jesus died. He paid for the sins we did that we we weren't capable of doing. He did for us what we could not do. Without that, we can't commune with God.
0: Yeah, so you have get that bear the consequence consequences of sin is death or separation from God and so how do we overcome that barrier well Christ lived that life that we couldn't live he lived a perfect life right he didn't sin so he didn't deserve death so he's able to die for us he's God his death has an infinite value he paid that way for you and for me and you think about God's love what's the greatest demonstration of God's love is that he would sacrifice himself for us. It's crazy. I mean, when people actually, like, the light bulb comes on, they're like, what? I was talking to, um, when I was overseas, I would share a lot with Muslims, and they couldn't get past that. They almost almost rejected it because in the honor-shame culture, it was like someone who has the most honor of anyone would take the place of greatest shame. It's like crazy. So... It's really, really helpful to to glean that out and make that abundantly clear for him. So I always get worked up for it. Sorry. Uh, okay. So I have some Knowing God Personally booklets up here, the four spiritual laws that kind of outline. Sometimes it's really helpful, too, is I'll, like, at least share one Bible verse or I will go through – oftentimes I'll just go through the whole thing because it helps me to stay on track, especially if they're, like – Asking about aliens or things like that, I can kind of keep it on. on um, I can kind of bring it back to that as well. But on your phone, I, I have it on here. That, uh, the God Tools is an app on your phone, and it's getting better and better and better. On it are tools that share the um, the gospel through Bible passages and diagrams. But then on that as well, there are um, there's a section on there called questions. And so if people have barriers of like, is the Bible reliable? How do we know Jesus is who he says he is? What about science? All these kind of questions. There's little articles on there. They're about, I would say, probably like they're on pages, maybe three or four pages. So pretty readable. But, But footnote, a lot of great stuff. And so really can, those are great conversations of like, actually have a great article, quick article. Can I send it on you? Send it to you and I would love to talk to you. And see what you think about it. Again, I want to I want to present evidence. If it's if it's a bunch of baloney, tell me. But like, let's have a conversation about it because it's worth having a conversation. Um, on that as well, there's even some there's another little tool called openers, and it's just a bunch of these um, introductory questions that help drive the question. And so you know, there's little topics on holidays, um, family, all kinds of questions that you can kind of have in your back pocket to like, hey. I've been thinking about this. What do you think about X, Y, and Z and ask questions? So that God Tools is getting just better and better as a resource for you guys to become experts and be able to share the gospel personally. And, too, I've often have a lot, a lot of times, even overseas with Muslims, I'll have them download it and just put it on their phone, and then they'll have, they'll have it access to the gospel, to the articles, to all kinds of stuff. And so it's been a great tool for them just to have. Yes?
1: Got mm-hmm. another one, um, what's it
0: called, got questions. Got questions. Yep, it's great. And you can, um, just a lot of really helpful, again, more helpful. That's really, really good. So a couple good resources for you guys. And then you can see that spectrum down there. I have like a negative 10 to a positive 10. And so think about the zero as someone, like from a negative one to a one, as someone becoming a Christian. And so you will meet people all along the spectrum. As you talk to people, I can run up to 10 people, and I might people meet people in two different spots. There might be someone who's really far away from Jesus. He's really hostile. He's a negative 10. I might meet someone who's a negative one. They're really close and open and seeking. I might meet one someone who's like a two, who's like maybe a newer believer, but just immature in their faith. And so our, as we are doing the work of ministry to the body of Christ and trying to bring people into the body of Christ, our, I think ultimate goal, like successful evangelism, is not always like winning converts. So I think ultimately ultimately, it's being faithful, that I'm taking the step in the power of the Holy Spirit to present the claims of Christ and leaving the results to God. And my, my prayer would be that I'm moving someone forward, maybe it might be a, a negative 9 to a negative 8, that it made him think about things that he didn't think about before. Maybe I presented a gospel passage or a passage from the scriptures that he, maybe he's never read before. And, and I'm praying that God's going to haunt him with that passage or help him move forward. You know, that like sometimes, like sometimes having a conversation with Dan Davis is a little jarring and that hopefully that night he's staring at the ceiling. He's going to think about, man, what you, like, you know, sometimes you replay things in your mind that, that God will use some of those scriptures, his word, to impact him and to move him forward in that progression. And so just being faithful is being successful. I've had times where I've had conversations and they did not I don't know if they'd moved the needle at all, but I was like, okay, Lord, I was faithful. I was I was used by you to be an ambassador for you and be a witness. And I, I was excited that they now understood more of the gospel than they did. And that's that's successful. Okay. Last thing I want to do is this pie chart is like maybe another representation of all the people that you meet. You're gonna meet people in different parts of the pie. Some people will be hostile. Some people will be resistant. Maybe they're belonging to other faiths, faith backgrounds. Maybe a larger proportion will be indifferent to the gospel. They're just apathetic. And then you'll meet some people who are open, some people who are seeking. You'll meet some struggling believers, and you'll meet some growing believers. So key here, I think, to evangelism these days is questions. So if you were to meet someone who is hostile to the faith, really just angry, to God. What are some questions you could ask him to draw him out or her out? Just the why. What why, why what? What, happened? what,
1: happened? what or was there one situation that
0: made you angry? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yep. If you especially if you experience people having lots of emotion, strong emotions, mm-hmm. recognize I like, I I notice that you're getting really angry what what was it that that makes you so angry is it is it a situation is it something or is it just something intellectually like what makes you so angry just even recognizing that and then again too it's not like I'm trying to meet him emotion for emotion have an argument right I'm trying to draw out why that emotion is there and understand what's making him tick that way does it make sense any other questions you guys thought of
3: Mm-hmm. That that was able to stand so much time, so uh, you know, he he was like so against God, against against everything, and the reasonings were, you know, Christians don't uh, they're not accepting of others, you know, uh, yeah. that, like he had the whole thing. He had a whole not thing. his daughter Megan would call me and she'd say my dad's in the hospital I was like, oh, okay so I'd go because you know the last couple of years of his life you know now, like he knew where I stood I'd go in the hospital take care of him, you know wash his hair clean him up oh wow give him a haircut and stuff like that and that's just showing love and mm-hmm. that's just and then at the end and even the girls they work at the hospital I'd be like go up." With you, yes, yes. Wow. it's amazing when somebody of such opposition to everything. If at the end of uh, our time together, I would, I would say, Don, can I pray with you? And he'd say, Yes. And his daughter Megan called me at the end of his life, and I brought Carl over with me to his house, and I took care of him. And you know, it just reminds me of, you know, what is love, yeah. Love is showing somebody that no matter what you are, you know, whatever you're thinking, I'm going to demonstrate something that, because it would have been very easy for me to, you know, but, yeah, and I'd tell his, his girls, I'd be like, your dad, if he wasn't working me over, because every time you come in and talk about Jesus and about politics, I'd be like, oh. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I said, if he wasn't working me over, I knew he wanted to be okay. But in the, in the end, He's sitting there. His whole world's falling down on him. You know, it's like, hey, can uh, can we pray with you, Don? Or, you know, wrapped around him. We were praying with him. Oh, that's
0: he, awesome. Do I know? I don't know. You know? Yeah. But it, it's just. That's I great. To have that
3: fear. And even if they're different than you, it doesn't matter. Because you'd be surprised. They could be, like, not not believers. And if you say, can I pray
0: with you? And. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And what testament to your guys is like continued love to yeah. him and stuff that, that, that broke through. That's that's amazing. Okay, someone who's resistant to the gospel. What are some questions you could ask this person? So let's pretend they come from a different faith background and are pretty you know firmly planted in a different faith. I
2: have the same question. Why?
0: Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're let's say they're let's say they're Muslim, talking to Muhammad. So why, why are you Muslim? That's a rough one. <laughs> no, I mean I feel like it's a good that's an honest question. It's like, we you know were you born Muslim? Did you choose to become Muslim? You know, that's that could be a question. Any other questions you could ask, kind of following up to that? Yeah, you're pretty. Firm, like, well, what makes you confident about your faith, or do you have doubts about it? Yeah, that's really good. Oftentimes, Muslims aren't allowed to ask questions, and so to foreigners or people like us, they are, they're we're safer people to ask those questions. We won't bring shame on them. Another one could be, okay, what's what's Islam all about? Tell me, like, how how does how does a Muslim get to paradise? I'd love to know. Oh, you got to pray five times a day. you got to do the hajj or omri. you got to this, this, this. Sounds like you have to, there's two angels that take notes of your good and your bad and whatever is outweighed. You're put on, your good acts and your evil deeds are put on scales, and that determines where you go. Dang. How's that going? You know, like, what, how confident are you of going to paradise? Not very confident that's so interesting that's so different than what Christians believe often well, what do Christians believe? I believe that we can be one hundred percent confident that we're going to heaven what yeah. that's impossible no it's not on what i 'm done. it's on what Jesus has done, and you get to unpack it, but even too, with Hindus, with any other religion, faith background. What does that look like? What does the afterlife look like? How do you get there? What's it take? And oftentimes, it's rules. Mm-hmm. It's things you have, to, you have to do. You have to take out all desire in your life and desire nothing. You have to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. So those can be great things. that Even though they're resistant, you might move them forward and, and understand. But then often, that would be even just reflecting back of like, wow, that's so different than what Christians believe will lead to opportunities to share and clarify the gospel. Make sense? Good? Please. I have found too that just oftentimes
1: just even, you know, in the United States, they we don't question how we've been raised. So even you know, even we take that perspective with someone who has been raised, you know, Catholic or even Christian,
0: but oh maybe I'm moving this. No, that's great. That's great. No, I love it. Yeah, have you I was born Catholic is the answer. fantastic (laughs) yeah absolutely so good probably the hardest one is the next one that's the biggest piece indifferent apathetic people (sighs) what are questions you could possibly ask it's tough
1: Yeah.
0: Like, so, you use as your moral or so, moral. What's your moral compass? Mm-hmm. You mean anything else? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What leads you? Yeah. Because you know, a lot of people are just like, ah, he might exist, he might not. I really don't care. I'm doing my own thing, right? So that's it's tough because it's like, how how can we politely be smelling salts? To people like this, you know, of, of having questions of purpose, meaning, morality, potentially, that hopefully that will God could use to bug them. Um,
2: that question yeah. you brought up about if you're wrong, do you want to know? That might
0: be. It's great. Yeah, that's really good. You would, you, that would you? Thought? Would you? If there was a God, would you want to know? If you wouldn't want to know, that's tough. But if you do want to know, can I tell you so that if there's one day you desire this, you would know what to do? Yeah. Or even, too, if it's like asking about if it's true. Like, I'm, you know, as a believer, I find so much purpose and meaning in living my life for God. And ultimately, this is what this whole world is all about, is centered around God. If it's true, it has such eternal significance. Does that, does that scare you at all? Or does that, you know, would, you know, kind of like, then would you know, like this is the reason you're here on this earth, I think, is because God put you here so that you could have a relationship with him. If that's true, would you want that or not? You know, I feel even that, hopefully, hopefully trying to give them something to, to, to think about. Any other questions or thoughts? Things like that. It's it's a tougher one. Uh, What if someone's open? They're open. Maybe they're not like necessarily seeking, but they're like, yeah, I'm kind of open to spiritual things. I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm not necessarily apathetic, but uh, you know, maybe they're not like pursuing things, but they're open. What are some questions you could ask for those folks? What'd you want to know? Yeah, Yeah, it gets a little bit easier now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. What will hold you back from pursuing, you know, things? that you're open to it, so like, you know, do you do you know? Do you know what is about? Like have you had experiences to it? That'd Debbie, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I just think if they open then that's, it's
3: much easier to witness to them and talk to them about Yeah.
0: hmm Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think syncing's in that category, too, but even more so because they're asking questions. You'll see these people asking you questions. Yeah. What's this? What's that? Why is that? Um, oftentimes, when we do ministry overseas, you would um, see people being pretty receptive to the gospel, but some people you would be like, all right, we're going to read, like, I'll, I'll give them the Bible app on their phone and show them John read the first chapter of John and we'll talk about it next week mm-hmm. some of those people were maybe more open and they didn't read it but they would meet next week and then read it with me the seekers would read, first John, would read John 1 and sometimes they'd read the whole chapter or the whole book and they'd have like 20 questions written out and you're like okay this is, different. this is much different you see the Holy Spirit working in someone and you see that hunger and thirst in their lives so that becomes really fun let's move on to struggling believers so, someone who knows the claims of Christ, but maybe is, is struggling. Maybe they're not going to church. Not really participating. Um, maybe they have doubts. What are some lines of questions that you could start having a conversation with those folks? Asking them what is making them struggle. Yeah. Showing them they mm-hmm. About them yep. Asking about the barriers, asking about the obstacles. What other questions can you do? And what would it take? Would it take? Yeah, that's good. What would it take for you to go all in? That's really good. I like that a lot. And, too, I think even with, like, the struggling or even moving into growing believers, it is, like, how do we come alongside people and help them not only do we want to win people to Christ, but we want to bring them to maturity, where they can, where they can now go out and do ministry and, and multiply themselves, you know, where we bring people to a mature faith where now they're able to multiply. Uh, quick story. I think I have time. Um, met a freshman in college. His name was Matt Markwell. He was the coolest, nerdiest kid you ever would meet, and he loved Jesus. He got involved with our ministry. We taught him how to share his faith, and he ran with it. He had two roommates. One was Mike, and he was a frat star. One was Steve, and he was like the quiet atheist type. Um, after about a year, both of them came to faith. Crazy stories. Um, Mike, it was messy, out of moving out of the fraternity and walking away from that whole lifestyle and all those people in a lot of ways. Um, Steve, we saw kind of like his personality come alive, you know, because he kind of came out of his shell. Uh, Steve saw his, Matt discipled them, helped them grow in their faith, helped, and, they, and they had a huge passion to share their faith as well. So Matt, Steve, so Steve shared with his twin brother. He accepted Christ. Steve went with me and did ministry. We saw a couple more people receive Christ. Steve did lots of sharing on his own and saw several of those people accept Christ. Pook told his best friend to get a bus ticket and come see him or they weren't friends anymore. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> the guy was like he was down in, we were in Chicago and he was in, down in IU and he took a bus over the weekend Mike shared the gospel with them. he accepted Christ um, that guy went on to join full-time ministry and then his younger brother also accepted Christ and then same kind of things and so you kind of see that if we can win some and build them up in their faith and grow them. I feel like college is a unique time, but this can still happen anywhere in any way. We see this in the Gospels and the Acts and stuff like that. You kind of see some of that multiplication happen. So who are the people in our lives that we can put our arms around and help grow, take with us, model, model what it looks like to, to love people well, model sharing and having those personal conversations, and then helping them grow in their faith to where they can do that as well. Questions, thoughts, anything gets me jacked up. I love this stuff. Okay, I'm um, gonna we'll turn it over um, to like our little portion of our Carl to our vignette portion, Thank where we kind of share a personal story. Absolutely.
2: Thanks. Hi, my name's Carl, and. Uh, we went out recently about a month ago with a couple, a friend of ours, and uh, his wife uh, shared a story with us about a couple they knew and how God works. Uh, he, She actually copied a letter this friend received. What happened was this couple, they were uh, Doug and Kathy, they were traveling I think it was like in 2002, because she said there were no smartphones. It was like a large flip phone. They were traveling in New York City, and in the taxi cab, they found this phone. So they decided to uh, try to get—what's wrong? They, they were trying to get uh, this, uh, the phone, give it a call, and find out who the owner was. So they called the number, and they got a name and an address. So they went home to Pittsburgh, and they mailed the phone back to the address. What's wrong? What? I can't hear you. Okay. I'm just giving you. So when they sent the phone, uh, her name was Alina. They sent a little short note with the phone. It said Alina... Here's your phone. We didn't know how to shut it off, so we'll, you'll have to charge the battery. All we ask is that you listen to the tape. Jesus is coming back soon. We need to be ready. Please read John 3-3, Ask Jesus Into Your Heart. That short note was with the phone. So seven or eight years later, in like 2010, this uh, Doug gets a letter. And it says, uh, some years ago, while I was in New York City, you found a cellular phone in a cab and sent it back to me with a small note asking me to read John 3.3. You also sent a tape regarding the Book of Romans. I've included the copies of the envelope, the items that came in, as well as a copy of the note so that you can verify the authenticity of my testimony. You sent the envelope to Alina Marlowe, but my real name is Alina something else. Marlowe was the last name of the roommate at the time, so she was living with a roommate. While you do not know the circumstances of my visit to New York, I now feel compelled to let you know the impact of your obedience to the Holy Spirit. I have kept your envelope and your note as keepsakes and small treasures knowing one day I would gain the courage to share with you in more detail the impact of one person sharing Jesus with a total stranger by the simple act of kindness in returning a cell phone. I am certain that at this very moment, while you're reading this letter, the particular circumstances of your life over the last seven years may have been trying you by fire. However, is it important for me to let you know that no matter what your circumstances have wrought, I am the fruit of a seed you planted in New York City in the summer of 2002. What you do not know is that I was a stripper on a temporary assignment from Los Angeles at a strip club in New York City for a lot of money. Stripping was my profession. It paid extremely well and afforded me the lifestyle I felt I deserved all the while knowing my soul was being tormented by evil forces that appeared to be outside of my control. Through a series of circumstances, I came to see your note and the tape you gave me, a hand pulling me out of the ocean of despair and a life of sin. I not only gave my heart to Christ in Las Vegas, October 2005, I was befriended by a couple much like you in Starbucks five years ago when I was homeless and living in my car because I refused to go back to that lifestyle. They invited me to church, I began to grow in Christ. I got a job and I also became a stable, productive Christian Christian witnessing to other strippers and women who had been broken by a life in the clubs and prostitution. and ministering to other women, i found my calling to intercede in a life of prayer for others. I've been in the last six months enrolled in Fire in the Night internship at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri, and I know the joy of living humbly and sacrificially. I also know how to live in abundance when God chooses me to shower me with his blessings from people I've never met or know very well. He has always provided for my needs. All I need to do is yield to him. I've been very blessed to have had some wonderful mentors in Christ who chose to disciple a young woman through a most difficult period of her growth. It has not been an easy road, but it's been fulfilling beyond measure. The purity of your act of kindness is continuing To bear the fruit and the fragrance of the brokenness of Christ Jesus is always with me. As I was rummaging through some of my belongings in storage the other day, I once again came across your note, the cassette tape and envelope they had been mailed in. I had kept them in a small box. I was overwhelmed with the sense I had never taken the time to thank you personally for your act of kindness, nor tell you of the fruit it bore. Your gift of kindness was like the alabaster box broken at the feet of Jesus by a woman most thought would be undeserving to be in his presence. I know that woman. I have felt her pain, I have felt her sorrows, and I have felt her joy in knowing her sins are forgiven. Please forgive me for not writing sooner to thank you for sharing Jesus with me. Perhaps my former fear of rejection was too great to take the chance of telling you what kind of life I lived before Christ. I am hoping this letter and these words of encouragement find you at a time when you can appreciate their sincerity. To that end, I'm giving you my present address, my email, my personal cell phone, so that if you wish, you may contact me if you feel led by the Holy Spirit. There is no obligation in closing, please know this. If for some reason you choose not to contact me, I will still be forever grateful for your obedience and sharing Christ with a total stranger. You are on my prayer list, and I will continue to intercede for you, hoping that you will someday come to know that sharing Jesus in a package while returning a cell phone you found in a New York taxi continues to bear fruit through my life. Even seven years later, your ministry of kindness was not in vain, for I am part of your living testimony that the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. I believed you. I just think that's a tremendous example. Not only have this Doug died a number of years. He was in his early 60s and he died but she said he was a wonderful man sharing jesus wherever he went with whoever he could but not only taking the time to share and take that extra step and also look how prayer works i mean she's praying for and helping people it's just it just breaks my heart knowing the love of christ and that's all within you. You read that, and it's like that power's inside me. And you say you feel fulfilled. Why? There, is there anything greater in life than to hear something like that? Thanks for letting me share. Thank
0: you. That's a great thing. To, what more is there to say, Debbie? That's it. That is that is it, Carl. We should just start it in with that. Drop the mic and let's all go out. Let's all go out and talk to people about Jesus. Um let me just I mean I just feel having us just to pray. What was that lady's name again? Alina. 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 And then what was the man's name who sent the phone back? Doug? No, Doug. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for man the example that Doug left us of of sharing the gospel with whoever in anywhere, any place, and thank you, God, that you reached Alina and changed her life in a radical way. Lord God, we just pray that we can be your ambassadors, and we can continue taking the gospel out to lost people who desperately need it. Jesus said at the end of that Good Samaritan thing, to you know, who's our neighbor to, to go and do likewise, and Lord, we, we may go and do likewise, so we just praise you, Jesus, for the power you have, um, your Holy Spirit's power, and it lives inside us. and uh, I'm a weak man, but you are great, Lord, and you can use each and every one of us. So I just pray that you give us the confidence to step out and take those small steps of, faith, small steps of faith to reach others. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.